Good morning. We have today a very special guest. Her name is Liesl. She is a registered nurse, birth coach. She also has a podcast called The Mommy Labor Nurse uh, and an Instagram page um, at, what is it, mommy.labornurse, I believe? There is that, yeah. There is that dot. You can't forget it. Uh, And she has just a wealth of knowledge with anything pregnancy, birth, labor, maybe some postpartum, breastfeeding related. So we're super excited to have her on today and just share her knowledge and experiences with us, uh, with with all of you too. Uh, I know Kayla took some of her classes, so that's how we found out about her. But yeah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited yes. to chat with you guys. I always like to hear from people who take the courses personally, too. It's fun to chat. You know, it's it's fun to just hear hear personally from people that I've been able to help that way. So it's I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Yes, and, we're happy to have you. And Kayla said, she was just telling me before this how taking your courses, she felt like you were right there with her through every step of the way. So that's pretty neat. Yeah that you made such an impact on her. Yes, we looked, yeah. I looked forward to your weekly emails. And you would Aww. let me know how I was supposed to be feeling each week, what I was supposed to be doing. Um, it was great. It felt like you were there with me along the way. So they were very helpful. And we were just so excited to let you talk about, you know, your courses for other moms because it's just super helpful. And you really put your heart into what you do. I do. Yeah, I do. Well, thank you. That's so, That's good that's good to hear too that the weekly that the weekly emails are super beneficial because we um you know we talk on instagram like hey sign up for our weekly emails and it's like sometimes people are like i have to get another email and i have to do this and it's like no it's not it's like yeah i mean we're going to tell you about the birth courses but we're also going to like just give you all this information week by week you know it's kind of like one of those apps that you download but I was just thinking that we haven't gotten there yet. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> we're still on. Email. I, I don't know. I look forward. I had the what to expect app and I look forward to knowing what size my baby was mm-hmm. each week. <laughs> like, well, that's what she did for me. I didn't really. Need an app. Yep, that's what she sent me. Wow. She told me when I was supposed to be packing my hospital bag and she even provided me my hospital guide checklist and I just printed it out and checked it off as I went. That's so. amazing. Mm-hmm. That would have been yeah, so helpful. Step by step. You know, we don't want you to be lost in the process. That's why we try to get people you know on there as early as we can so it's like I feel like the that series is the best way to get information from us in like the like the most information in in a chronological uh time frame as possible you know yes (laughs) yeah because sometimes people will come and hit follow on Instagram because they saw you know, post on L and D, I don't know. But then it's like Instagram can be kind of overwhelming because you mm-hmm. get there. It's not it's not chronological at all. So that's why I say, hey, like sign up for the for the emails because then we'll give you blog articles that are applicable to you that you can read and podcast episodes that you can listen to like right now. And you know, like you said, uh Kayla, like the here's the hospital bag checklist mm-hmm. when you need it. Here are some Instagram posts that like pertain to you. To- yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Exactly. It can be overwhelming. I mean, there's so much out there now, I, which is great, but it's like, where do I start? And who's yeah. going to tell me yeah. what I need to know? And it's it's overwhelming. It's definitely nice yeah. to have a friend along the way to help. Yeah. <laughs> and that friend was you. So thank you. <laughs> I love that. Oh, hey, that's so fun. You know, and it's funny because when I, I talk about this, we're doing this workshop actually right now. Um, um, over, it's not on Instagram, but like we're promoting it on Instagram mainly. And I talk about that a whole lot. Like, I, I just want to be like, I'm trying to give you enough information. Like, so I'm actually like, I'm not actually physically in the room, but like, I want to be in the room with you. And I want to have you remember these things and like almost hear my voice while you're in labor or while you're in the room, because that's what, you know, the things that I teach in my course are the same things that I, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm laboring a patient on the floor, um, these are the same thing, same things that I'm telling my patient. So it's like, I, I really want to be in the room with you, but I can't do that for, you know, all the thousands of people. Right. Well, (laughs) you're in, uh, right, right. You got to reach them somehow. And you're located in North Carolina. 
Is that I correct? am, yeah. Okay. East Coast, North Carolina, I'm in Raleigh over here. So awesome. I've been, I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and in, introduce myself yes. for, I know we've kind of been <laughs> chatting. That's what we do. Um, go ahead. So, no, you're good. You're good. Um, so for those of you guys who don't know me listening, my name is Lethal. I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I am from Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been at L&D now for almost nine years. Still at the bedside. I have a shift tomorrow, 7 a.m. I have to go (laughs) work um, on the floor and labor patients. Um, And yeah, I started Mommy Labor Nurse about five years ago now. And it wasn't even called Mommy Labor Nurse back then. It was called something entirely different. And um, it just basically was kind of my way to reach patients um, that I couldn't reach, you know, at the bedside because I had a baby, you know, I mean, he's six now, but he was my little one-year-old baby when mommy labor nurse started. And I, you know, love my job as an L&D nurse. And I just kind of wanted to find a way to educate moms at home because, you know, I really did see the impact that birth education and just being informed in general coming in when, you know, you're about to have a baby made such a difference. So I'm like, how can I do this kind of at home so I can spend a little bit more time with my baby Mm -hmm. and, you know, also educate in the process. So started Mommy Labor Nurse. um, It kind of, you know, I I think I I say that I didn't, I never thought I would have like all these thousands of, you know, people following me, but it's like, I I never really thought of it that way, but I, I always wanted it to get big like this you know I'm like I want to make an impact on as many people as I can because I know how powerful the internet is and Mm -hmm, how powerful social media is um so yeah I kind of started off you know five years ago like that and I um started on Instagram it really kind of was a blog to start off with I did a lot of I did a lot of stuff on Pinterest and um was just you know mainly writing blog articles back then and then I started posting more visual kind of stuff that you guys you know, know me for, um, on Instagram and doing pictures. And then when reels came out, you know, we do videos and yes, all the TikTok trends with this. Exactly. saw the funny reels. Definitely (laughs) saw those. (laughs) The first one that comes to my mind is the Encanto one. Um, the postpartum, Yep. how you feel postpartum. That one cracked me up. I just sent that to the group the other day. We were cracking up. Yep. Yeah, one of my favorites that I've done recently is the, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but people loved that one. When I, it's the question that people get, um, that, that everybody asks, that your partner asks me, <laughs> it's like, can't, when I'm having sex, like, am I going to hurt the baby? Oh, I didn't see that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should send it to you guys so you can put it in the show notes or something, but That's funny. Um, it's, 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 it was just funny to make because like, I, I, basically like made a cervix and you know kind of put a i think it was a little snowman i put him in a um, a little bag of amniotic fluid okay and it was a little balloon and i filled it up with water and then i kind of made a uterus like a play-doh kind of uterus around him and i made his little cervix and then i made like a vagina like coming you know it didn't look like a vagina but i just right. you know kind of made like a tube you know that that was a vagina um and then i had a little banana <laughs> and i'm like look like it's not not even close not even close yeah there's all these layers <laughs> that's hilarious we need that it's though really we, like, you need a visual like re- representation so of what it because it yeah. feels like it's probably going to be right there. So that's a <laughs> yep, hilarious. Yeah, it sure does. And especially for, I'm sure, the guy who, yeah. you know, is like, and it's, it seems it seems closer than it actually is. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's all these layers. It's okay. You're fine. But yeah, it's like, I, that's kind of what I try to do with all my posts, whether, whether it's posting on reels or even, in, you know, the birth courses or the, the emails. I mean, I try to use a little bit of humor. Um, but also stay educational because I feel like sometimes when you what you know whether it's the what to expect apps or or something or you know you, you're hearing stuff from your doctor sometimes it, it gets a little bit too medical and it's a little you know it's over your head so it's like okay if I can give a little bit of humor and like kind of my personality in it it's gonna make it relatable. a little bit less scary mm-hmm. <laughs> right? more relatable and yeah exactly. And it lightens up all those questions that people don't want to ask. Like your most recent reel, like, like, am I going to poop during labor? And and how you're popping around your reel. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. We would just have to pull it up. (laughs) 
But I recommend all the listeners pull up your Instagram because it is hilarious. And you answer all the questions that everyone wants to ask, but they're too scared to ask. Yes. Yes. No, I love it. I know. Anytime I do poop stuff, anytime I talk about <laughs> sharing, it's, you know, people people get really lots of questions because there are a lot of scary things about yeah. labor and delivery. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I can start off and kind of talk a little bit um a little bit about some of the scary things and we can make it, we can normalize them a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, we would love that because, that kind of yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Because as I was telling you a little bit ago before we started, um, that's how our podcast became a thing was all of us moms just talking about our different birth experiences and they were all very different, but there were a few in there um, that were fairly traumatic. So, and there was still a lot of, you know, questions left unanswered um, with some of the mom's experiences. So I think yeah. for expecting mothers to know ahead of time, um, you know, different scenarios and possibilities so they can better prepare themselves for when, not when, if they arise, mm-hmm. that is super helpful because you would, yeah. I would much rather be prepared for that scenario ahead of time rather than mm-hmm. it just happening and not knowing what's going on or how to handle it. So I would like that. That'd be great. Cool. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's why I have so much stuff in the courses too, because I'm like, okay, I I want you to, you know, we're going to talk, you know, this is, this is kind of what a shoulder dissociation is. And this is, you know, what happens if you hemorrhage and stuff. It's like, I'm not trying to tell you all this stuff to scare you. I just, I want you to be a little bit informed just in case it happens to you because it makes such a difference if you've at least heard of a shoulder dystocia or you've at least I've like never heard of that you no, know I like her shoulder dystocia is like when the baby's shoulders it takes a little bit longer for the baby's um the baby's shoulders get stuck so oh. it's can be traumatic you know for mom and for baby obviously um but it's you know if you're just hearing about these things beforehand and it and it doesn't just kind of hit you in the face like oh my gosh you know um what just happened to me it can make such a difference it still can be a traumatic experience right but Mm -hmm. it can make such a difference like your mindset coming away from it you know um so that's what we're all about at mommy labor nurse is just you know educate and tell about the scary stuff like not i'm never sugarcoating things i try to put humor and stuff but like i'm not gonna just sit here and say like oh nobody you know nobody um it's rainbows and butterflies yeah nobody (laughs) you know like no i can actually talk about what happened Yeah, especially for, you know, the first time mom that's never Mm -hmm. experienced before, even though every pregnancy and birth can be totally different from even the same mom having different pregnancies and births. But yeah, you have no idea. I know my husband and I were just before I had our baby cash, we had no idea what to expect. And a couple episodes before this, I had my doula come on um, Mm because we decided to use a doula just to be better prepared. You know, she's seen and been to so many different births and has so much knowledge so um i think even so so the birth coach sorry not to like backtrack as as a birth coach i guess to come compare not compare it but maybe explain the difference between that and like a doula and a midwife you're more so preparing for you know through pregnancy and labor but you're not necessarily going to be there with the mom like when they give birth. Well, I right. guess you would as an RN <laughs> or as a yeah, labor delivery yeah. I mean, it's kinda, Right, right. Like a childbirth educator, I'll use that term instead of like a like a coach. So okay. like I'm if I'm at, yeah, like childbirth education, right, we're educating you about what's going to happen, but as a childbirth educator, like I'm not actually going to be in the room with you. Like mm-hmm. a doula, you know, might might be in the room with you um now i'm a childbirth educator but i'm also a labor and delivery nurse so like i go to the hospital and obviously i take care of patients like in the room but it's not the same patient that i you know taught i mean maybe they've taken i've had that happen before really that's a little bit different in in those terms but like you said before you're just preparing you know them to feel like you're there with them and and yeah, be prepared yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it can be scary it can be scary yeah i want to try and yeah. normalize stuff and um yeah be there with you as as much as i can and give you as much 
of my brain as I can, you know, because I, I know sure I Sure, you've seen a lot. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's kind of who I am. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about some scary things that might, you know, maybe not be so scary by the end of of this hour that we're, <laughs> that we're together. Um, I'll start off by talking about pooping because we kind of t- touched on that a little bit. And um, a lot of people are just terrified. Yeah. That's the first yeah. thought when they but find out the they're first pregnant. Thought. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to exactly. poop in like, front of all these poop. people. <laughs> right, right, right. And people think that it's going to be like so traumatic and you're going to get made fun of or just, I mean, I, I think it's just the, the number one, like the fear of, of uh, like what you're, you're going to be, is it like a lot of poop or is it a little poop or like, <laughs> am I even going to poop or how many, you know, so it's all this, all these questions. So the first thing I say when people, when we talk about pooping, right, is um, about, it's like probably two out of three, maybe three out of four people will poop while you're pushing at least a little bit. Okay. Um, and then the second thing I say, so that, that you know, that, to say that a lot we'll do you know most people do um so the second thing i say is like it's not usually like you think when you think of like pooping you're pooping like a whole poop right like Mm -hmm. like a whole poop (laughs) and boy like um it's yeah it's it's usually not a whole poop okay now i have had patients like there's quite a lot in there in their rectum and, and a lot comes out, but it's usually just kind of like whatever is in there is it, 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 kind of on the side of your rectum. Well, yeah, you know, it's coming out because you're if pushing. You think about your anatomy, right? Mm-hmm. And where baby is at in your vagina and where your vagina and your rectum are, they're right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And baby's head is rather large. So as baby, baby's head is coming down, um, you know, through your pelvis, uh, pushing on the walls of your vagina and and then pushing on the walls of your rectum, anything, anything in there is just kind of, kind of slide out. Okay. Whether, whether you want it to or not. Okay. Um, so it's, it's kind of just gonna, it's kind of just going to happen because it gets, it gets squeezed out. Um, the other thing I say too is, you know, I'm getting real, you know, <laughs> real gross, but <laughs> I mean, birth is kind of gross. It's a yeah. lot of things happening. It's okay. it's okay. We're trying to not make it gross because yeah. you know you, you think it's it, beautiful. You think it's gonna be like yucky, you know, experience. But the other thing I say too is we learn this like day one of being a nurse, being a labor and delivery nurse. It's like okay, this is how you, this is how you clean up the poop and you get rid of it. Make okay? it like it's it like, didn't happen. <laughs> and make it like it didn't happen exactly don't even say we don't anything. bring it up unless you yeah unless you bring it up and you're joking about it and you're like you're talking about how you're pooping and blah 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 blah, blah. like we don't we're not like oh you're pooping right now it's just we just kind of get rid of it and it goes away and we don't even talk about it it's you know it's no big deal like you kind of have to read the room too like i definitely have patients who we were talking about pooping during pushing like before they, she was even pooping and her husband and her were like laughing about it and so when she's pooping you know we're like laughing about it and it's like you know fine but yeah. for most people yeah they just kind of a little bit comes out and you, there's like a little chucks um pad you know kind of underneath you and I just kind of fold it over and kind of get it out of the way and then roll it up and it goes have a baby <laughs> nobody yeah nobody even really realizes that it well the happened the other thing too i believe for for me at least when i started labor that's what i Mm -hmm. noticed when i was in labor is i went to the bathroom like i had i had diarrhea for like i was i was either puking or had diarrhea and my doula was like yeah your body is just like clearing out it's clearing house to make room for that baby. So I'm I'm going to hope that I cleared it all out before I gave birth, but I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know how I would have had anything left in me at that point, but I very well could have. Yeah, that, I'm glad you brought that up because that definitely happens too. That's part of the whole poop conversation too, hurts, is yeah. that usually and why, why usually there's only a, a little bit, you know, to kind of come out if it's going to come out is because your body usually kind of did the... The, the big work, you yep. know, kind of beforehand because it, it, you know, it knows that there's a baby that's about to come out of here. We've got to kind of make as much room, you know, in your rectum as possible. Yeah. So kind of the few things that I say um, about pooping. And then I'll also say 
that if you're pooping, you are actually pushing in the right place. Okay. Mm. That means that baby is about to come out and we are pushing, you know, right there, right there in that right spot. So it, it is good. Okay. To poop. Oh yeah. Um, my mom was next to me screaming, poop, court, poop, <laughs> like yeah. encouraging me to like push correctly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, thanks mom. It was so yeah. funny. Five times. <laughs> um, so that's kind of pooping in a nutshell. Should we talk about caring? Yeah, that's that's, enough- I mean that's right along the lines. Yeah, that's they're, they're right next to each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anatomy wise. <laughs> um, yeah, caring is definitely another one of those that people are really, really scared of, and I mm-hmm. get it, right? Because if you think about when you skin your knee or when you, you know, get any sort of cut, like who wants to who wants to do that to? your vagina the most like sensitive one, part of your body that one of the most sensitive parts of your body correct yeah, yeah. So it sounds terrifying to think that like oh my god i'm gonna push a baby out and it's gonna like tear me there like oh my god that sounds crazy so let's let's bring it down um <laughs> so number one what i tell people is your vagina um usually the part that you tear is your perineum which is kind of the part that is the base of your vagina and kind of uh, in between your butthole and your vagina. Okay, it's like that little section. As you just um, told us, your... those are very close together. Now we know. No. Yes. <laughs> if you didn't know that yet, uh, <laughs> take an anatomy yes. course. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so it's that part, and your vagina is not like a smooth surface, right? It's not like a. It's not like when you're tearing. It's like a paper you know, you're tearing a piece of paper, your vagina is very, um, I don't know the right word to describe it, like, uh, not lumpy, but like, layered. yeah, yeah, there's, t- you know, it's like, it's not smooth, it's not a smooth surface, okay, so, so when you're tearing, it's not, now, if you get an episiotomy, that's a little bit different, right, because they mm-hmm. are doing like a, like a clear cut, and we don't do those a lot anymore, unless it's an emergency, um, but when you tear, it is more, of a um it's just not a it's just not a clear cut it's more of like a it is more like a skin you know you skinned or maybe you skinned your knee a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of it's just gonna kind of tear with how the baby's Mm -hmm. coming out essentially how the baby's coming out right 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 so the next thing i say too is we talk about degrees so there's a couple different ways um that we score you know, score tears. So first and second degrees are about 93, 95% of people will uh, tear. Um, if they tear, they're going to have a first or a second degree. And then third and fourth degrees are more the severe tears. So a first degree is like what I just said. It's like kind of when you skin your knee, okay, or you get a rug burn. Um, that tear goes a little bit underneath the surface of the skin and into that tissue. Um, but it's not actually going into muscle or anything. And some of those are needing to be stitched up by your provider. Some of them just don't really need to be stitched up and they just kind of start to clot and your provider's like, nah, your body's starting to heal. I'm not going to do any stitches or anything. So that's a first degree. That one obviously is the least severe and you can still definitely have quite a bit of soreness afterwards. You can have quite a bit of soreness and you still probably need to do all of the um, perineal care that you would do. Um, if you did have a tear, you know, you still, you're still kind of sore down there because you just put, push the baby out. Right. So yep, we yep. still want to be doing all of, all of dermoplast and tucks. Shout out to Dermoplastic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Can't forget exactly. those sits baths. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. The sits baths are amazing. <laughs> um, so that's a first degree. And then a second degree is you're going a little bit deeper into that perineal, perineal muscle. And second degrees are the most common one, um, at least for first-time moms. If, it, you know, if you're going to tear, it's usually a second-degree tear. And that one, um, like I said, goes into the muscles, okay? But it's not going into the muscle around your, your butthole, okay, your anus. And third degree is you're going a little bit deeper through those perineal muscles, and you've gone into that muscle around your, your butthole. And then a fourth degree is you've gone all the way through, and there is like a, you know, maybe not a hole that you can see, but there is there is a, you can travel from your vagina to your butthole. Okay. And that again, third and group, fourth degrees are 
the least severe, but they still do happen. So I'm not here to say that like, oh, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen to you. It could happen to you, um, but they are the least severe. So you're more likely to have a first or a second degree. And these third or fourth degrees, if you do have one of these, um, you, kind of what to expect is you'll probably have a little bit longer of a repair after you um, after you give birth, sometimes they have to, they recommend bringing you out to like a procedure room, um, so they can really, you know, get kind of like, give you a little bit better, uh, numbing medication. And, um, sometimes they'll even want to put you under anesthesia if it's a really, really bad chair. Um, but a little bit longer repair. Okay. A little bit more extensive there. And then you'll also have a lot more instructions, uh, discharge instructions on how to take care of it. And, um, I imagine you would uh, not want to be doing much at all. You would not want to do a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just going to take a lot more time to heal, you know, and usually with third or I know with fourth, they usually want to see you back, um, earlier than that, you know, six week visit with that's a whole other conversation of like, I, mm-hmm. Why is that so long? You know, why are we six weeks postpartum care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's so <laughs> right. long. <laughs> right. So you'll you, they usually recommend you come back and and you know within a week or two afterwards so they can kind of check on the healing and stuff. Um, but those are third and fourth, like I said, and those are the you know you're more likely to have a first or a second. And with tearing, if you have now, I don't know what you guys did for pain control. Did you guys get epidurals or no epidurals if you get epidural if you get an epidural and it's working well they usually don't have to give you any numbing medication mm-hmm. don't you know if you do have an epidural and it's not working well then they'll give you some numbing medication yeah i there. had an epidural mm-hmm. and i think mine was second degree she said it yeah. tore to the right in my labia uh Question? yeah so that's a different kind that's not a perineal tear that's a yeah that's a little bit different it's a little higher oh. i had I also had an epidural. I had some health issues. So I actually was on magnesium. And you, I'm sure you know, as soon as they give you magnesium, you know, all like my whole birth plan went out the window. And that's, yeah. you know, on a different episode, a couple episodes back, we talked about my birth plan. Um, but yeah, I got the epidural and I didn't have to do an extra dose or anything. I felt amazing and I could move my legs. I had a peanut ball. I could turn side to side. And... Yeah. That's what gave me, that's what allowed me to rest so that I was able to push my daughter out. Did you tear? But I actually did not tear. Um, I don't know. I think I did get kind of lucky. It was, you know, less than 10 minutes and I didn't tear at all. And I watched her come out in a mirror. You pushed for less than 10 minutes. mm -hmm. I'm like trying to remember Three pushes. Oh, yeah. you Um, I pushed for four hours, Liesl, just so you know. (laughs) Wow. That's, I that's think that's part of why. I mean, that's, you know, you, you did it. You pushed your, mm-hmm. you pushed your baby out. But, yeah, that's not so fun to, to be pushing for that long. minutes, Kayla. That's amazing. I know. I couldn't believe it. Now, but I was you... also bedridden for four days. So keep that in uh, mind. <laughs> now, do you, Liesl, from your experience, do you, because I almost wonder for myself personally, I feel like because I had the epidural and I couldn't really feel how I was pushing, maybe that's why I pushed too hard and I tore I don't know what is your experience with that I'm curious yeah um it's not I mean definitely with epidurals moms who have epidurals we do see longer pushing times that's like you know they've done studies on that and just kind of seeing the differences like the pushing times are a little bit longer and really it usually is because of that that you it kind of I mean from what I see it kind of just takes you a little bit longer um a few pushes at first sometimes a little bit long you know sometimes a few more pushes for others to kind of get the hang of it Mm -hmm. because it is an odd sensation Mm -hmm. to push you know when you're kind of numb down there so you kind of have to find the right spot so sometimes it can take a few pushes to kind of find um you know find where you're at and it depends on the density almost of your of your epidural. Um, I don't think that's the right word. Density is not the right word that I wanted to use, but how dense you are, um, you know, how, how dense your epidural is. So some I feel people, like mine was like, so, I mean, I'm, I'm very petite. So I feel like mine yeah. just affect, I mean, I've had anesthesia before and it took like, it affected me a lot stronger than I've heard it affect other people. So I wonder uh, if that is the case. I don't know. Like I was numb, yeah. numb. I could not move even like for a while after okay. labor, I could not move my legs. Okay. Yeah. So that, I mean, honestly, that probably, 
that probably played a part. I would say if you were extra, extra numb. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Kayla was saying that you said that you could do peanut ball and move Mm -hmm. your legs around. And I could turn and everything by myself. That's amazing. Right. Right. The minute they took me off magnesium, I went in the bathroom and I was like ready to take a shower. But they were moving me rooms. But the minute they took me off magnesium, I got up immediately and was walking around. Wait, wait, wait. You said magnesium twice. Mm -hmm. The minute you got off magnesium? Well, so the epidural, you know, obviously they stopped that, but I still couldn't get up until the magnesium wore off 24 hours after Ari was born. Oh, right, 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 right. So, yeah. But once I was off of that, but that's weird. The magnesium, I guess that's another conversation, but that's strong also. Hmm. Similar to epidural. I remember you saying that, yeah. I mean, it's completely different from epidural, but I definitely had blurred vision and delayed vision. So magnesium was something crazy i've never been on <laughs> oh yeah it's it's not fun yeah so i assume they put you on that did you have uh preeclampsia or they yes i had preeclampsia and then cholestasis ah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so yeah magnesium we can go we can talk about that for a second if, you know if you want yeah. to but um yeah magnesium is one of those that we use usually for moms who have preeclampsia um or moms who sometimes will give it to moms who are in preterm labor because it, it can help babies um, praying. Um, that's the best way to, to describe it. But it's like neuroprotection for, for the babies that are preterm. So sometimes we give it to moms who are in preterm labor. Um, but yeah, it's mainly for, like you, Kayla, moms who are in, um, who have preeclampsia to help prevent seizures because you can definitely have seizures, you know, you can get eclamps, you're preeclamptic, but you can have eclampsia if you seize. So mm-hmm. we don't want that to happen. So that's why we give you the magnesium. That's real important. Um, but yeah, it does, does some crappy stuff to your body and it makes mm-hmm. you feel really, really yucky. Um, and just kind of, you know, some people say it's like, you feel like you have the flu or you feel like you have a fever or you, some people get really, really hot with it. Um, and sometimes it even can impede your labor progression a little bit because magnesium um, really relaxes your muscles, okay? Mm-hmm. And what's a big muscle that's trying to do work? Your uterus, right? So it can it can impede labor progression sometimes. So we do see that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, magnesium is one of those that it's like a necessary evil kind of thing if it's being mm-hmm. if it's being given. Usually, you know. Um, so in your case, yeah, if you had had preeclampsia, you'd be on the magnesium until you delivered and then they would keep it on usually for 12 to 24 hours. Usually most, most providers are doing the 24 hours now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's not so fun. And I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you're hoping that if you have another one, it's like not the same experience because it's like, well, you said after, or you, Um, you actually had a good well, I did have a really, experience. really good experience. Um, Minus that. Good. Well, yeah. So I blame it on reading too much. <laughs> but that's like, I think like knowledge is power. I mean, you can't read yeah. too much, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all the techniques that I wanted to work through for a natural labor and even, you know, the peanut ball exercises that you have on your Instagram, just stuff like that. Everything was out the window the minute I had magnesium. Yeah, so could have moved. And I still had a great experience, but I couldn't even attempt to work through my contractions by myself in my own way. I couldn't walk yep. the halls. I was just bedridden. Couldn't eat anything yeah. for four days. It was just terrible. Right. So I did have a good experience, though. Um, but, yeah, next time I would not want to go that route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I can I can understand that. Yeah. Um, I know that makes fun. Not to cut in again, but while we're talking about the epidurals and going natural why don't we talk about the um birth classes um yeah. unless you had something else to talk about magnesium we could talk about the birth courses that you offer the medicated and unmedicated yeah yeah cool yeah so we yeah <laughs> we've got three actually so one of them is birth it up the natural series and that was the first one that i kind of um, started off with, and it looks much different than the first version. Um, but we've got Birth Out of the Natural series, and that is more for moms who are kind of thinking they want to go natural, unmedicated, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we also still have information in there about pain control, um, sorry, pharmaceutical pain control stuff like epidural, Vega Over, and IVP medication, just so you're informed in case 
like you're like you kale it like you're mm-hmm. something changes in your birth plan um we want you to be prepared for kind of every you know every possible scenario but it's more tailored for a mom who is kind of leaning towards she wants to go natural um do a lot of pain control mindset stuff in that one um and then we've got birth it up the epidural series which is more for a mom who is like i'm team epidural <laughs> like I'll, I'll take my epidural please um please and that one <laughs> yeah and that one though it's there's a lot of crossover because we want everyone to be prepared right but we also want to tailor it for you because we know that everybody kind of wants something different um but that that one also we have a, a lesson in there called like oops i accidentally went natural um and <laughs> we talk about pain control stuff because a lot of times we'll have moms come in, especially if you had a baby before, it's your second or maybe your you third baby. You don't have time for the epidural. And you don't have time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it happens. It even happens to first-time moms sometimes, not as much. but I mean, that's a I've fear for first- some moms. Mm-hmm. That was my plan yeah. for me. I wanted to get there in time for them to tell me no, so I didn't have the option. But I was only <laughs> four centimeters, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to need that epidural now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it definitely happens. So we want... We want those moms to be prepared for that and not to have that be a traumatic experience to come away from because that can that can definitely be mm-hmm. um, a form of birth trauma thinking that you're going to get mm-hmm. an epidural and then for sure. wait what what you told me I can't and I'm about to put my push my baby mm-hmm. out so yeah. we want you to be prepared for that so that's birth up the epidural series we also recommend that one a lot of people say um, ask us like okay what you know, which one should I get? Like, I don't know what I want to do for pain control. Like, which one should I get? We usually tell people to go with the epidural series because um, that's a, a little bit more like well-rounded, I would say, for someone who's not quite sure. But the cool thing about our classes, too, is if you enroll in one and let's say you go through the, through the epidural series and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm actually really thinking that you know, I want to try that natural thing. Just send us an email. We will switch you no problem into the natural series. Same thing with the C-section series. And that's mm-hmm. the third birth class that we have is um, that one is birthed up the C-section series. And we put that one out for our scheduled C-section mamas because we don't, you know, a C-section is just as much birth as mm-hmm. a vaginal delivery. And we want to prepare you guys too. Absolutely. And in birth it up, the epidural series and the natural series, we also talk about unplanned and emergency C-sections, right? Because we know that those things happen. Um, but this, but the C-section series is really for these moms who have planned C-sections and they, you know, they had a previa during, you know, their first pregnant or their baby was breached or something. And they, they knew kind of from the get-go they're going to have a C-section. So there's a lot of, you know, it, it's it's not like you can't benefit from birth education, you know, just mm-hmm. because you're having a, a planned C-section. So there's a lot of content, you know, that one's seven or eight hours long, you know, it's like, like there's still stuff, stuff you can learn and that yeah. has all the postpartum stuff and the newborn stuff in it as well. I know um, one of our moms, that- shout out Sam, is probably wishing she knew about this. Right. Because she had a planned C-section. Her baby was breached. Um, Mm -hmm. And not to interrupt you, but I did want to ask. She had a question from her experience. Um, Yeah. She she had a planned C-section. So they tried to do um, an epidural that they could not get to work. And and then they end up doing like a spinal. Or maybe that was the same thing. I forget. No, I think think they tried three times. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it not, neither one of them worked, so she ended up having to go under general anesthesia. So her yeah. question was like, from your experience, like how does that happen? Like how did it? How could it not work? She's also a very petite person. They then they say mm-hmm. that it might have been she's super short. So yeah, she's under yeah. five foot for sure. Okay, so she wasn't sure yeah, that no. played a part into it. It it could have. Yeah, I mean it's really just um, down to like if the placement, if they couldn't get that medication in the right spot um and sometimes that's just your anatomy sometimes you uh i mean we have seen it in in short people or if you've had uh, like scoliosis in the past Mm. too um so they just can't it's it's just the the spaces are just a little bit either too close together or if you've had scoliosis they're kind of um 
it's not in the in the normal you know when when they when they when anesthesiologists like go to school and they learn anatomy and like mm. it's, it's usually right here it's just not you know we can't we don't have an x-ray or an ultrasound or something that we can put back there while they're placing you know the right. needle that they place so it's just like we can't you know we're we're trying to find the spot and, and we're not getting it into because it's a very very small small little spot and it's fairly easy you know easy as a you know term maybe they wouldn't use but um it's easier i would say for a placement if if your anatomy is like longer longer yeah a little bit longer or you're able to you know even with short moms like you can you can curl your back over and and get spaces that's why we have you sit in that position Mm -hmm. Um, you guys probably remember you kind of sat you know kind of hunched over um and for shorter moms it's it's a little bit harder to do that um but yeah it it probably was just because her the spaces were it it just was a such a hard placement and they just were trying to give that spinal and it just wasn't like getting into that right Mm. very very small little spot right um but you see that every once in a while that it just you know they try a few times and they can't get that medication to do what it needs to do um and usually it's when they're when they're placing it they they kind of use this it's almost like a, a tool um with the cat with a with the needle and they put pressure on the end of it and once it breaks the pressure they know that they're in the right spot mm-hmm. so they probably had the needle there and they were they kept you know trying to to push that little tool thing back there and they just couldn't find where it would it would release the pressure mm-hmm. um so yeah unfortunately in that situation all you can do is keep trying and you know at, at some point you're like I mean, I, it's not going to work. Out. <laughs> it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to sleep. So, yeah, that's unfortunate for her because it's, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because you don't get to be awake, you know, during yeah. the surgery. But your partner also can't be in the room. You know, they, they you can't have mm-hmm. the partner in there under general anesthesia. So, yeah, it's that's why we really, really try. You know, I'm sure they said you said they tried for three times. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it stinks because it's like we really want you to be able to right. be awake, and it's like, ugh, you know. I mean, we don't want to put you under general anesthesia either. Yeah, yeah, so. that's that's for sure. Yeah, it was definitely a hard experience for her. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, like, I know she wants to have more children. I wonder if that's just like something they can prepare for, or I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Or I mean, if she. Um, you said that her baby was breech. Is that why she had a C-section? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she could, you Maybe know. Maybe not have a breech baby next. That's Right. She, yeah. Or, yeah, if her baby's head mm-hmm. down, like, she might try for a V-back. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's entirely possible that, you know, maybe she could have a V-back. Mm-hmm. Um, but she might, she, she might go into that knowing that, like, okay, they had a lot of trouble getting my spinal in. And I might not be able to get, if I wanted an epidural, I might not be able to get an epidural because we had such a problem with the spinal and the right. spinal actually a smaller needle than um, the catheter that they use for epidural placement. So I would, I would say just maybe let her know that if for some reason she is trying to be back, it might, it might not be, you know, she can, they can certainly try again. To, right. Right. Girl, Maybe she'll just be, yeah. be better, like mentally prepared for that. I think each baby's, baby's different. Correct. I feel like you True. can just tr- try everything over again with the next baby. I mean, yeah. I know it's definitely right. more touchy, and right. you know, with the VBAC situation. But you know, I mean, I just go. I mean, me, look at me. I go with open mindset. <laughs> That's just how I am. Kayla, <laughs> right. very good with the flow. But yeah, um, I mean, those are probably questions that if you had a traumatic experience mm-hmm. the first time, I'm sure, you know, it'll be in the back of your mind if you want to have a baby again. So. And two oh, things yeah. I just wanted to emphasize, not to interrupt. No. Um, one, I wanted to say, just for the listeners, I do actually have scoliosis, and I am able to get epidural. Oh. So I don't want anyone thinking that. I didn't know that. Just yeah. if you do have scoliosis, it is still possible for one. Mm. And then two, a big emphasize right here, um, emphasis right here, um, the epidural doesn't always work. So Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can, does we not can always talk about work. this. Yeah. Yeah about that for a few minutes because that's important too to know mm-hmm. oh my gosh yeah and 
I'm glad you said that about scoliosis too. Did you have back surgery or do you just have scoliosis? I just have scoliosis. I've never needed surgery. Okay. Yeah. So that's important. That's important to say too, because mm-hmm. usually those moms who have scoliosis, if it's, um, if it, you know, if you haven't had surgery or anything for it, it's usually possible to still get epidurals. Now, if you've had surgery to correct it, um, it's a, it's a little bit, I mean, your back honestly is, is straighter, you know, because mm-hmm. you had surgery, but they, they usually want you to have a consult beforehand if you do plan on getting an epidural. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, this is yeah, I was going to say, wait, <laughs> do they, are they supposed to ask you if you've yeah, had they didn't scoliosis that surgery or is that something they would know? Cause I was nervous. It, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this done. It, honestly, it's usually the patient, like this is something, up. right, right. Mm. It's usually the patient is like, oh, wait a second, I've had, like, is this going to be a problem? It's right. not, I wish it was more like, a questionnaire. You know, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, do you plan on getting an epidural? Oh, we should make sure you know this. Blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. you would think. Um, but it's usually found on afterwards. And it's like, oh, wait a second, can I even get an epidural? <laughs> yeah. Huh. So yeah, just FYI, if you do have, um, if you have that cert- back surgery, or even if you have scoliosis, I would say, mm. Make sure you ask your provider and just be like, hey, um, is there something I need to do? Or like, can, you know, what is your recommendation? Can I talk to the anesthesia team? Um, Sometimes they just want to see you like on admission and look at a lot of times they just want to see your operative report. um, And that's, you know, kind of it. But yeah, sometimes they'll be like, oh, you've had back surgery. Like, we don't want to place an epidural, you know, in your back. So just keep that in mind if hmm. that's you. <laughs> but, to know. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing you brought up was that epidurals don't always work. And mm-hmm. that's very important to note because, uh, yeah, they don't. <laughs> um, so sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll have a mom get an epidural and they give her a dose that's not quite high enough for her. And it takes a little longer than like that ten, that normal 10 to 15 minutes to kind of sink in. So we're having to adjust things. So that, you know, can be unfortunate for her. Like, okay, wait a second. I thought this was going to be pretty quick, but it's like 30, 40 minutes. Now I'm still in pain after the procedure. Um, and then also we'll have moms um, like your friend who had the, the C-section that you just can't, you know, they, they try to give you one, but it's just, we, we can't do it. It's not, you know, it's not working. Um, so, uh, then we have moms who they'll get one and maybe it's uh, one-sided. So mm, basically your, yeah, basically your epidural, okay. They put like a catheter in your back. So it's a very, very small, like flexible tube. Okay. That sits in your back. And sometimes the end of it will kind of tilt to one side. So there's two I sides. I think of your mine body. did that. My left side was right. way more numb. There wow. you go. For yeah, longer so too. Yeah. So sometimes it kind of tilts to the side and it can just give you medication to that side. And that medication that they give is gravity based. So if, um, if you're laying on your left side for a really, Mm -hmm. really long time, all that medication can kind of pull to that side. So one thing we'll do, yeah, you probably remember that you Mm -hmm. you flip sides. Hmm. Yes, I do remember that. I, cause I used the peanut ball one at 1.2 and my doula and the, um, nurse made sure that I gave it even both sides. Like if you did this on one side, you'd flip it on the other side because yeah, you'll be Yeah, it's kind of weird how it's kind of weird how it works in like, it, it's kind of weird how it's gravity based when I explain yeah. that, that. I never sense. thought of it that way. Yeah, it makes so much more sense now that you broke it down. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Another thing we'll do is for some reason, it's, it's very much one sided, like you're not getting any pain control on the other side is sometimes the catheter is really kinked to the side and it needs to be pulled back just a little bit. So we'll call anesthesia and they usually don't have to take the whole thing out and do it again. But sometimes that does, they do have to do that. Um, but sometimes they're just able, able to take the tape off of your back that they put on after the procedure and kind of pull back it, you know, pull it back a little bit and that kind of straightens it out. And then they'll give you like another dose to kind of see if, um, you know, if, if it's kind of even now. And yeah, so definitely can be one-sided. Sometimes you even get these little things that we call, we call them hot spots. And it's basically like, you know, think about the medication going all through all these little nerve roots in your body. And it just, you know, didn't quite make it through this little branch, right? And it kind of, um, 
it kind of, you know, didn't saturate all, you know, all of the branches over here. Okay. So that branch is responsible for like the left side of your belly button, right? So like on the left side of your belly button, you're getting just like this really localized pain. Um, so sometimes that happens. And nowadays with epidurals, we have, uh, usually you'll be on like a continuous dose. So they'll give you kind of a larger dose initially when they, um, when they set you up and then they'll put you on a pump and that pump will continuously give you medication until you deliver. And then they'll also sometimes give you a little button to push. I've remember. seen that. Yeah. I don't yeah. push my button. I, I had one though. I, didn't I don't know it. that I had one. If I did, I never touched oh. it. Yeah. And some people don't need to. Um, sometimes you'll just have a, what I usually say is like, Hey, if you need it, push it. If you don't, you know, don't mess with it. Um, but sometimes, especially towards the end, when you are, you know, maybe it's getting a little bit lower. Uh, it, it, see, here's another thing we can talk about, too, is like pain versus pressure mm-hmm. uncomfortableness. The epidural doesn't take care of um, pressure type pain because mm-hmm. it's a different it's a different uh, sensation. So, so that also takes people by surprise that, wait a second, I thought I was going to get an epidural and I, I not feel anything. Feel yeah, yeah, yeah. Down there, you know, <laughs> like I don't feel my contraction pain, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel this baby's head down there. And that, unfortunately, we can't, you know, the epidural can't do anything for it. It's just, it's just going to be there. When I was in my um, delivery room, there was you know, obviously I'm on the labor delivery floor. Obviously people were giving birth and I kept hearing some screams. And, you know, obviously I was like a little nervous. Like, I mean, is that going to be me next? I was like nervous for sure. But, I don't think I scream. Um, well, the nurses told me that they also had epidurals and they're like, yep, the epidural does not take away that end pressure from the baby's head. She said, mm-hmm. You're, you still feel that. And I don't remember. Well, once again, here I am. I mean, I didn't feel anything. Right. But, um, yeah, like, I didn't scream or anything. But the other women, I mean, they were full term, the nurse told me. And they were screaming at the end. Um, I don't even remember, actually. I kind of just... Yeah. I don't remember. But that's just an example of, like, the pressure versus the pain. Isn't it crazy? My baby's almost nine months old. I already kind of forget. Like, the pain and stuff. No, it's just... Do we know when mom brain ends? Do you have any information on that? Yeah, I know it's it's crazy that you do have that um almost amnesia like yeah. mom amnesia from labor. I know I same same thing with me. I it's it's weird how you're like you have this experience and maybe um you know, maybe you went natural, okay? And then you're like, Oh my god, that was so painful but then like two weeks later you're like, Well, I did have another one. It's so bad, you know. It I think is. it's biology. Like I think that's yes. why we keep having kids. <laughs> no, that has to be because I mean, I I, I know a lot of. I mean, many women have s- multiple mm-hmm. births and babies, and yep. it's. Yep. It, it, and when you think about it in the long run, you're like, do you remember what you have to do? And you're like, yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Have a baby. It's just, it, and that's the thing too is like, yeah, you think about it. What it could have been a very painful or traumatic experience, but it passed you know it only lasted so long yep. and then you you moved on so it's it's weird to think about but in the moment it's a whole different story mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. that's that was a lot of um useful tips on on the epidural um i, I feel know, like that talk all day yeah honestly i feel <laughs> like i feel like the epidural is probably one of you know one of the more scary things mm-hmm. you know we, it's oh yeah it's something that you know that's going to help you but at the same time you know getting it i know i was just like terrified of getting it um and then i've heard a lot of like side effects of it too i didn't experience too much i had my lower back even sometimes now randomly will be a little bit more tender Mm -hmm. but i've heard of a lot you know worse side effects of that so what what are your experiences with that and yeah yeah i would say that's on my, that's on my labor and delivery, you know, like pooping and tearing, yeah. <laughs> you know, scary things. When you think about labor, that's definitely on the list is that people are afraid of getting an epidural for the procedure, right? And thinking about a needle back there. Uh, and so what I tell people for the needle phobia people um, is that, okay, it's, it is a rather larger needle to actually place the catheter 
but that's actually not the needle that you feel um, that is is you feel for pain. So they usually give you numbing medication beforehand, mm-hmm. and that is the one that kind of feels like a bee sting. And it's you know they give it to you, and it's not even really the needle that you feel that it's painful from. It's the medication kind of sinking um, in there, and it kind of can burn and, mm-hmm. and have that feeling. Um, but once that kind of sinks in, it should get nice and numb back there. And then they do place that larger bore needle. Um, but you should just feel pressure, you know, it might be kind of intense, you know, like push because they're pushing, you know, well, and you're knee. having contractions mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. that's how I remember that was like the most difficult part. They're like, stay still. And I'm like, right. And I remember they would have to like watch out for contractions mm-hmm. to try to do it in between them. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, I know that's another thing is it's, it's hard because you have to stay still if they have that needle in your back Mm -hmm. and you have a contraction and most providers are, they try to time it in between, you know, a contraction, but sometimes you can't. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really important to sit still because if you are, that's a big contraindication. If you, you know, it doesn't matter how many centimeters you are, if you're only you know, three centimeters dilated, and you really can't sit still at all. You're moving so much, like, we can't give you an epidural until you sit still. It's just, it's unsafe. You know, there's this needle back there. So I would say um, that's a big one that people are afraid of is just the procedure in general and how that is going to be and the the needle part. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, side effects wise, the biggest side effect that we see, the most common one is a dip in blood pressure. And we try to counter, you know, counter that with giving you some fluid beforehand. Um, and there, uh, there are some things that we can do in case that happens. Like we can give you medication, we can do position changes, we can give you more fluid afterwards. Um, but that can happen where your blood pressure kind of dips a little bit and it can happen you know, a lot and, you know, it can affect baby and you might have to have like a true emergency C-section, but we don't see that very often. It's usually it'll dip and then it might affect baby. We can see the baby's heart rate dip on the screen, but it's usually pretty fixable pretty quickly. So I would say that's the biggest side effect. Some people get um, what's called a spinal headache afterwards. Yeah, that again is pretty rare. Um, but it does happen. That's one of those side effects. And then you talked about back pain and they say that it's not supposed to be associated with epidurals, but anecdotally just randomly think, have the, the spot where my epidural yeah. was get tender. Yeah, right. <laughs> not. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I know it's, I've talked to anesthesiologists. I've talked to moms like, you know, who have back pain and it's like anesthesia, you know, the literature says and right. studies say that it's not associated with with epidurals, but it's like we have all these anecdotal reports of moms mm-hmm. having long-term back pain afterwards. So we wonder, like, what's really going on there, you know? Yeah. Um, hmm. Is there a little bit of, you know, almost like damage done? So it, I don't know, you know, yeah, I don't know. Is it is it something that, that, that they're that they're doing long term and it, and it can affect things long term or is it maybe or, how certain anesthesiologists place it mm-hmm. and it's I not know, just like know. yeah i don't know that's interesting i don't know yeah and another thing like i remember i had an anesthesiologist on my podcast and one thing that she said was it could be afterwards like you know because they usually attribute it to it's just musculoskeletal stuff and she said you know a lot of times you're just using different muscles to pick up your baby and care for your baby and it, she was like it could just be it could just be you know because of that and i'm like yes mm. but also I'm like really I, yeah, it's like I right on i just want to say that it might be from that I know, <laughs> Well, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. are, is there not, are we not, uh, maybe there's just not research like, to back it up. Like, yeah, right. This is my backup. I have time Here, off. Here's me. my own research <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's That's odd. A... I know. I don't, I don't have a, yeah. I don't have an answer. I don't remember. I That's think okay. I say in the birth courses, like, this is what it says. Now I've also heard mom you say that have they have long-term back pain. So it's like, I don't know. I don't think I notice it that. now anymore, but definitely like in those first few months afterwards i remember mm-hmm. like my like specifically where my spine is being like a tender spot so that's, yeah. that's interesting mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't i know that hmm. yeah and it could be just 
the maybe it's the bruising you know well, you can't yeah, have you're right there so it, it could be just the bruising takes longer to heal for some sense. reason but I mean I've even had moms say that it's last like yeah not, like more than a few months like yes, years I've and heard I'm that like, too no, like what is going on with I mean that, and everybody's so. body's different so mm-hmm. maybe certain right. women's bodies take it differently and right. I hear people like it. 10 years later say that they have so much back pain now but like if you would ask me right now with the side effects that I've had I would get the epidural again if I needed it well yeah right um, right you know obviously but um I do hear people say like 10 years mm-hmm. later like they have excruciating back pain and they do blame the epidural hmm mm-hmm but um, Lisa was saying about the labor positions, and we actually had a question from Katie. Yeah. Did you want to ask? Oh, yeah. She just wanted to know, I th- we kind of talked about some of them, but what options, maybe this could be like our last topic to wrap it up, but uh, what options would a mom have for different labor positions and how to ask for them if maybe their uh, labor and delivery nurse isn't offering it? I don't know. How to yeah. advocate for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, the beauty of movement is that there are so many different positions that you can do, um, even if you have epidurals. So usually, you know, we don't want them to be super crazy dense, but we want them to be lightweight enough, like Kayla's was, where you can move your legs around and you can flip side to side and you can get on hands and knees um, and you can sit up and do you know, do the squat bar or something really with epidurals. If you have an epidural, the only positions that you can't do are ones that are out of the bed. Okay. But you can still do a lot of these same positions that a mom without an epidural might, you know, kind of normally be doing. Um, a one that I love to tell patients about is called the toilet position. And that one is, so if you are don't have an epidural and maybe you're at home laboring, you get on your toilet and you flip around back, flip around the other way, and you sit on it like that. You know, no pants. Okay, so like you're just sitting there, just in case up. the baby comes out. You know, <laughs> right, right. No, but unless you have to go pee, you know, you're like right there. So and then you just take a pillow and you put a pillow on top of the toilet tank right there, and then you just have a little spot to sit mm. in your you know, you put your legs are nice and open and you're kind of in that position, almost like you're on a birth ball, you know, mm-hmm. that position where your legs are kind of open like that. And then you have somewhere to place your head during, you know, during contractions or, you know, in between to kind of rest. And the cool thing about this position is you can also do it at the hospital. Um, so at the hospital, if you don't have an epidural and you want to truly do it on the toilet, um, usually the toilets don't have a back, you know, they just mm-hmm. have like a handle. Um, so you just, you know, sit normal. And most, if not all hospital rooms have a bedside table, right? So you just pull the bedside table and I have a picture of it on my, on my site. Um, well, you your partner, put them to work, you know, yeah, use you them as an anchor. <laughs> and there's your toilet tank that you can, you know, lay on and you have, you know, you just put the bedside table in there and you lock it in place and then you can sit on the toilet and you just have a little place to rest your head if you want to rest mm. your head. And then if you have an epidural, same thing. The beds are kind of um, uh, transformer beds, what I call them. Mm-hmm. Like they can get into all these crazy positions. So it can almost get into a chair-like position. Mm-hmm. So you get that bed into that chair-like position. You can sit all the way up. You can do the same thing with the bedside table and just bring it in front so you have somewhere to lay your head. Or we have those squat bars that you can yes, put in. Yes, the squat bar. Yeah, you know, yeah, just kind of lean against the squat bar if you want to. So that's a good one. And then I would say... Uh, in terms of like if your nurse isn't isn't really movement happy i guess um it's okay just speak up and advocate for yourself and say hey like from the get-go hey i heard from liesel or from (laughs) you know mommy labor nurse or whoever that like movement is really beneficial for Mm -hmm. labor progression and i you know now i've got to have my epidural let's say i want to be moving every 30 minutes or i want to you know be moving every 20 minutes or however long um can you you know can you come in here and help me if Mm -hmm. i need to move and i mean it's really as simple as that i mean i wouldn't say that a nurse would say like no actually you don't need to be moving that much like Mm -hmm. it's uh, this is also where a birth plan comes in not to interrupt but a birth plan right um, you You just set those also you can find that on liesel's instagram so (laughs) 
right. <laughs> right. So it's something that you can definitely put on your birth plan, but it's just a conversation that you can have with your nurse and say, Hey, like, I really want to keep moving even after I have my epidural. Like, do I need to call you every 30 minutes or can you come back at this time? Like it's this time now. It's just about good communication. Mm-hmm. I would say. No. And I, I, my both my doula and my nurse I had I was lucky because I had my nurse at the start of her shift to the end um and she was awesome they worked together so well to come up with different options I think I had like I had the squat bar I had handlebars at one point like Mm -hmm. peanut ball yoga ball everything they were just super supportive and I feel like most cases that's that's Mm -hmm. usually what happens um and we had another mom not ask a question, but she just wanted to give a shout out to all the labor and delivery nurses because Aww. she's so thankful she's had three babies and she just, you know, attributes so much to all yeah. that, that you do because you're really Aww. there during a very vulnerable mm-hmm. time and, you know, having the help and assistance and guidance is super appreciated and needed not that like you were my personal labor and delivery nurse although now i wish you were but she was practically kayla's um yeah so it doesn't go unnoticed it's i know it's you know my one of the reasons that i think i i gravitated towards labor and delivery was because my mom when she was when she was pregnant with me she ended up having a c-section she like labored for a really really long time and then was pushing for a few hours and ended up having an emergency c-section and i remember just growing up her saying speaking so highly of the labor and delivery nurses that took care of her like i couldn't have done it without them like they were so supportive and i sent them flowers afterwards and Mm -hmm. you know and so I think that's kind of what set, you know, what planted the seed in my head of like, you know, how, how helpful and just like amazing that labor and delivery is and just to be, you know, a nurse and experience these moments with these patients that, I mean, it really is kind of special when you think about it, like, like big picture, I get to experience these um, these really private, like intimate moments with like so many different families and it's yeah it's really special i i i hope i mean i would think that i would never lose that like i I mean i I still definitely every baby that is born it's like it's never it's never never gets old i don't know like that you know it never you're always like this is amazed it's it it really is amazing it really is amazing to see well good i'm glad that you don't get into because i'm sure you know for some people you see it so often you can get kind of stuck in a rut, yeah, what all jobs no, are, but keeping that, really, yeah, keeping really that, cool. um, and, and alive in you, mm-hmm. I think is what, you know, obviously is your passion. And I think yeah. you are helping so many moms and expecting moms. And I, I learned a lot from you just from this short hour. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we could yeah. just keep going. I mean, you said you were free all day, so <laughs> <laughs> We should have just went live. No, I, I don't even want to do that. Oh, uh, yeah. fair. That's true. You have a child. I'm sure he'll want to eat too. Uh, but yeah, we we cannot thank you enough for coming on to our podcast and sharing all your knowledge. Um, and we're definitely going to you know spread the word to our listeners so they can learn some more from you too. Yeah. Thank yes, you we so, so much happy. for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye.